All right, and welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Basement Podcast. As always, I am your host, Matt Diger, and always to my left or right, however you view it, is Pat Bruckness at PatTheBuild5. Uh, we are coming to you from Built in Buffalo, uh, and we are brought to you by Elliot Apollo's Restaurant at 3785 South Park Avenue in Blaisdell, New York, 14219, and Sons of Erie, as always, www.sonsoferie.com. Definitely check them out for any uh, any apparel and any any great builds art that they have, plus they have some great other art pieces as well. So definitely check them out, www.sonsoferie.com. So first and foremost, I want to welcome you in, Pat. How are you tonight? Good, good. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. I'm glad to be back. I know we took last week off. Glad to be back in the mix of everything. Absolutely. We're at the time of the year right now where there's a little lull, and I felt we needed a week off. So definitely, definitely, uh, definitely a great thing to to take a take a break every once in a while. So, um, but we we do want to introduce our our, our wonderful guest here uh, right now. Um, I'm going to pull him up here right now. It is Greg Tomset from Cover One. Uh, definitely, thank you so much, Greg, for joining us tonight and uh, talking salary cap with us. How are you, Greg? I get excited anytime I get to get nerdy about math and the salary cap. So I'm <laughs> I'm excited about tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not as excited uh, for the math part of it, but the uh, the salary cap definitely definitely I enjoy. So, um, but first and foremost, Greg, I, I do want to thank you for coming on here. Um, I do, um, you know, hopefully we have a great show with you here tonight. And uh, Pat, I'm going to let you start off the night with a couple of your questions for Greg. Well, yeah, first of all, Greg, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. My first question for you is, how do you feel about a guy? Who are some of the wide receivers you're looking at in free agency? So, uh, a quick shameless plug, Aaron and I did like our team needs show last night on the Cover One Buffalo podcast, and we both had um, wide receiver as the top position in the sense that we do expect uh, Gabe Davis to move on. We don't expect Trent Shurfield to be back. We think it's you know reasonably likely that Deontay Hardy may not be back. We'd be fine with all three of them departing at the money that they would cost and other positions that we may get to, you know, they're also a big priority, but we think there's a better chance somebody might be retained. So at wide receiver, you know, it's easy to get excited. You know, would I love it if they found a way to get, you know, uh, T Higgins or Michael Pittman or Mike Evans or Mar Marquise Brown? Absolutely. Of course I would. That, that would be awesome. Um, and I will say it's never, you know, I'm I'm famous for the you know the non-zero chance. Like there's there's always a chance, and we did sign Von Miller to a hundred and twenty million dollar deal where his cap hit in the first year was five million dollars. So, all those things aside, anything is possible. If we sign one of those guys, I'll be doing cartwheels like everybody else. I'm a good tier or two below there. So my group is there's a group of three guys that are on my list of what I would describe as I'm pretty sure they're too expensive, but maybe, maybe there's a chance that they lose the musical chairs of the number of teams looking to give out big free agent deals. And all of a sudden get to the point of like, Hey, I thought I was going to get this $40 million deal. What's going on. And then Brandon B is going to be like, Hey, come on over and see Josh Allen. You want to come over here and try try to rebuild your value for next off season. Come on over. We'll give you a one year deal. Those guys for me are Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd, and Darnell Mooney. Um, those are like the tier where 
most likely all three of those guys are going to get 10 million plus 11, 12, maybe 13, but maybe they don't. Maybe it dries up. And the maybe is because there are so many other big names above them and a really deep draft class where, you know, maybe a team that's on the borderline and did bid for T Higgins and did bid for, uh, Michael Pittman or heck, both those guys might get franchise tagged, might not even make it to the market, but whoever. Um, and they miss out, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, You want to know what? We'll just wait for the drafts and see what happens. And then all of a sudden, maybe one of those guys is open to, you know, if you guys remember the Leonard Floyd deal last year, it was announced as a nine million dollar deal. He didn't actually hit his incentive, so he made seven million, but the cap hit was like 2.6 million. So if one of those guys doesn't get the deal they want, wants to try to figure out, hey, how can I go play with a really good quarterback, rebuild my value for next offseason, and figure it out then? Hey, Josh Allen looks pretty good. Those are my guys. Um, you know, Down below there, there are a lot of other names. I would say if you ask me to put a chip on who the most realistic type signing is, I think it's probably somebody like a Josh Reynolds where he can come in, he can start on the outside, and if we have a first-round pick that we take at receiver – who's ready to take over for him week eight and play the majority of snaps. It's also not somebody who's going to go stomp his feet and throw a fit. He'll be cool being the wide receiver four and just being a really nice luxury. Um, so I'd say that's the most likely, but I won't lie. I'd really like to find a way to get Darnell Mooney. So, so do I. I really like Darnell Mooney. I felt like he was misused T- in Chicago. Tons of advanced metrics that show – it wasn't him. It was the quarterback play, and that with yep. a good quarterback, he might explode. And I'd I'd love to find that out in uh, Buffalo. Yeah, yeah a cheap deal, especially. What do you expect yeah, somebody you like the Darnell Mooney to get? So, I always I try to be self aware. Um, NFL teams have people as smart or smarter than me who spend all their time digging through this. There are plenty of them. Not every team. But there are plenty of teams that also see the efficiency and the advanced metrics that show some of the raw numbers weren't his fault and that if he had consistently been playing in a better passing offense with a better quarterback, he might be a, you know, I don't think it's crazy to say he might be a Devontae Smith or something like that. They're like, hey, he could be a really high-end wide receiver too in a good offense. He just wasn't in a good offense. Um, So, I think he is super similar to like a Jacoby Myers deal last year and that I would expect him to get three years, 33 million and a healthy chunk of that guaranteed. And I, I don't now Don't get me wrong. If we, if we do that deal, I'll get over it. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be fine. We, we can make that work. I'll add some void years on there. I'll shrink that number down just fine. We'll figure it out. I don't think we're going to get into the double digit realm. And I think he deserves to break that $10 million number. Um, but he's in that borderline. He's in that group. It's the exact same thing with Curtis Samuel, exact same thing with uh, um, Tyler Boyd. I think all three of them are closer to 11 or 12 million, but if we get one that is down to eight or nine, now we're talking. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, Darnell Mooney is one of my guys that I want to see the Bills sign. Um, he was in my list that we're going to go over here in the next couple of weeks uh, when we do our free agency show uh, here on the Basement Podcast, Buffalo Basement Podcast. But um, I want to get into the a little bit of the the meat and potatoes part of it. You know, I did the uh, um, <clears throat> the uh, Going Deep Buffalo podcast last night with Kevin Masseri, and yes. you know, 
so I'm, I'm a little primed up for the salary cap here stuff. So I, you know, when we were talking about it last night, we we're like right around $54 million. I just checked over the cap and they have us now at $55.142 million over the cap, um, which seems about right after all of the, the, the uh, you know, incentives and, and the voids and everything like that have now hit. Um, and, to, to be honest with you, I mean, I watched your entire show um, right after the the, the playoff loss. Um, had to had to keep something bills going on in, in my brain. So, um, but as far as as far as getting us under the cap, um, because you know, one of our viewers here, Roy, he actually brought it up. Now, you know, they expect it to be you know a little bit higher of a number now. Where do you expect that to be before we get into any uh, of the numbers? Do you expect it to be at that 250 or do you expect it to be more north more near the 243? So it's hard because all the math tells you it should be it should have been like 256 if you look at the new TV deal and all the gambling money and hell that's not even counting whatever taylor swift did which was not bad for the nfl um the the number of additional eyeballs that came was not a bad thing um all those different factors i thought um if you guys remember back when we had you know the pandemic of 2020 and the cap actually shrank they actually put what you call like a false floor in because like it would have gone down even further and it w really would have been detrimental. Some teams uh, at the time, like the Saints, and even now kind of like the Bills, who were more leveraged and like going for it, like would have been crippled, may not have even been able to function. So they kind of did a false floor with an agreement. They're like, hey, we're not going to screw you guys over with this, but we're going to borrow money from the future to be able to kind of balance this out. And then as we do increases in the future, we'll pay it back over the next two or three seasons. And that was 2021, 2022, and 2023. I, and I'm not alone because Jason Fitzgerald at overthecap.com and Brad Spielberger at PFF and like uh, Joel Corey and all the best uh, salary cap guys that I know all thought we had paid that money back. And that this year was the first year we got a natural increase and everyone that was you know connected in that realm had it as a 25 to 32 million dollar increase so it was at 224.8 last year so you know if you get 25.2 all of a sudden you're at 250 and if you get up to 32 you're at 256 and that range is what everybody expected and sites like overthecap.com had their number at 255 when they were doing it, maybe 252, but they had one of those two numbers as their estimate of what to work by and like how far every team was over the cap. Well, all of a sudden in December, the NFL put out a statement that their estimate was 242.5. And everyone was like, well, that's weird. Why? Why is it, why is it only going up $18 million? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Do they owe more to that? Uh, kind of false floor that they did back in 2020. Like, why is it? And of course, Danville is not obligated to tell us and didn't <laughs> and still hasn't. Um, so a lot of people readjusted. And if you guys go back um, during the bye week, I did a show of like, hey, where's the bill stand of the salary cap? And I did it with that 255 number. 
And mm-hmm. you know, not that being 38 over the cap and 50 over the cap is like a world of difference, but it's like two or three moves you don't have to do. It's it's a lot nicer, or it's creating a lot more spending money than what we have in the current setting. So all that said, it puts us in a spot where I had I had the original number. I had recalibrated to like, well, I don't know, it's the NFL. If they say it's 243, I guess it's 243. And now another rumor has come out, and I will say, Everything that we've read, and uh, the gentleman who put the comment up there, I wouldn't quite go as strong as the way that was stated. Um, uh, I think it was Roy. He That came from Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk, and he spoke to several connected people. And if you read it, he says, most of the people I spoke to think it will be 243, but one of my sources who has been very accurate in the past thinks it will be at least 250. And now people, most people who just want the number to be higher have ran with that part of the quote Mm -hmm. and said, Oh, Hey, Mike Florio said it's going to be 250. So all that rambling goes back to say, I thought it should have been in the first place. All the information I was aware of told me it should have been in the first place. I didn't really understand why it was 243, but they don't have to tell us their math and how much money they made or didn't make. So I don't really know. Um, I'm hopeful. There are only like four teams or it actually matters. Um, So most teams have enough cap space that they set their budget. They're going to sign their guys to how much they want to sign them to, and they're not going to use all the cap no matter what. It's, you know, it's not material. That extra $7 million is not going to make or break 28 of the teams. It's just not going to make a difference because they weren't going to spend it all anyways. The four teams it really matters for are the Saints, who don't even play by the same rules as everybody else. Um, The Bills, the Dolphins, and the Chargers, where all four of those teams, they're going to have to, like, scrape together every possible move to get themselves into position to be able to function as a team and sign their draft picks and fill out a roster and not have every single free agent be the 1.77 million branded bean special. Um, so that is the difference of not needing to restructure one major player, you know, or doing all the restructures and having enough money to actually splurge on like a 12 or $15 million player or something like that. Um, so I'm very interested in that, but I've now readjusted twice, so I'm just going to wait. We all should know officially, literally any day. I, I expect it early next week, but any day. It could happen tomorrow. We'll all know, and then we'll deal with it from there. And it's weird. The NFL's in the same spot we are. They don't know either. And that's a really weird position to be in that teams don't know. Imagine if like you're getting ready to pay your mortgage or pay your rent, and you're not sure how much your paycheck's going to be. You're like, well, yeah. I don't know. They might pay me more. I don't know. Like It's really hard to make a budget. Yeah, I missed a day last week, and uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, do I get stick pay for that, or like, do I have to yeah, use a vacation yeah. day, or do I, I just don't get the money? No, okay. So, no, absolutely. So, Roy just asked that question: Is when do you expect it to be answered? And you said you can answer that for him. So, um, um, we are week, already right? we are already the latest in NFL history to not know the cap number. So, we're already in unprecedented territory. Last year. We found out on like February 13th, I think my math said. Um, I, I went back and checked. So we're already like a week past the latest we've ever gone. Mm-hmm. So 
they they literally can't go a lot further because we're almost a free agency and you got to let people plan a little bit. Um, so I expect early next week, but we're already in unprecedented territory. So hell if I know. <laughs> and tags just opened up today, right? Too. Correct. Correct. And so I know they have was, to know uh, about that as well. Yeah. One of the, well, heck the, they don't even know the tag numbers because the tag <laughs> numbers are a percentage of the cap. <laughs> so like those tag numbers are going to change. Like the, you know, yeah. some of them, uh, there are some of them were based on the top, uh, top five in the position, but a mm -hmm. lot of that, some of those are based on the percentage of the cap, so they they have to set it. There, there's just way too many moving parts. So on your show, um, you know when you did the primer a couple weeks ago, um, you had the Bills at a. I don't want to. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you said conservative of thirty over or under. Um. So I listed seven like restructures or extensions guys who are going to be on the team either way. And then seven like releases or pay cuts. And if they did all 14 of those moves, it would take them from over by 50 to under by 30. Um, and I said during the time, realistically, I, I mean, I can guarantee you a good handful of those are going to be accurate, but I also don't think it'll be all 14. My guess is it'll be some combination of 12. And I was actually conservative. I did a lot of pay cuts, but guys staying on the team, if they were to release, you know, I had them doing a pay cut for Naheem Hines. They could actually save more by just cutting him. I had a pay cut for De Deontay Hardy. They could save more by just releasing him. Saran Neal, the people like that. Um, so they could go a little bit higher, but if they did all 14 of those moves or they did 12, but some of the moves were a release instead of a pay cut. I think 25 is a very doable number. I'm confident they'll get over 20, but it also might not be at any given moment because what if they have one of the restructures they keep in their back pocket in case they come across a deal that they want and they don't do it all in that immediate moment. So I don't expect them to do, no matter what they do, they're not going to do all the moves like all right in a row. It might be, hey, here are the three or four key ones we know are going to happen. We'll do those right now. And here's two of the releases we're going to do right now. And then we'll wait and see how the beginning part of free agency goes. And then when we get closer to the draft or we get through the first two phases of free agency, then maybe you talk about extensions for Deion Dawkins or Rasul Douglas or Taron Johnson. I don't expect any of the extensions to happen early because that's just not urgent business they can wait and do that a little bit later so all those different pieces those are things i expect to happen over the next couple months not necessarily the next couple weeks yeah and uh as far as some of the ones that you see happening you know do you i wanted to kind of go over it because last night when i was on with kevin he him and i were talking you know back and forth about you know do we do digs do we do anything with von miller Obviously, the way that, you know, Brandon Bean writes contracts, it's just a stroke of a pen for a Josh Allen or a Stefan Diggs. But, you know, what do you do with a uh, like a Von Miller? Because at this point right now in 2025, you, you, I mean, in, in, yeah, 2025, you really don't have that big of an out. I think I think when we're talking about it, it's still, you know, yes, it saves them eight million, but you still on the hook for like 16. So do you push a little bit more of that down the road to give you yourself a little bit more and maybe use that to get under the cap or how do you feel about that? So I don't, Von Miller was not one of my moves out of the 14 that I listed. Uh, I had him as a hold the line guy, although I had Stefan Diggs and I think he's equally debatable, not equally. He's also debatable of whether you would want to do that move or not. Uh, so Von, 
the level of play we saw coming off the injury for me is a wait and see. So we did see some flashes in the last two games, specifically the playoff games. He actually looked pretty good and, and had some legitimate pressures. He is on this team no matter what for sure this year. And you can make a case that he probably should be on the team in 2025, but it's at least right now it's possible. And like you described, you could painfully get out of it. It would either be a $15 million dead cap, dead cap hit, or you could defer it and spread $6 million next year and $9 million the year after that. You know, It's still $15 million, no matter how you slice it. Um, or what could happen is you wait, you see how he plays. If we do see more of that playoff level, we're like, hey, he's actually contributing. We think we have two more years here, this year and 2025. Well, then, if in season, if you remember last year when we wanted to make the Rasul Douglas trade, we needed to be able to do a move in season to create some space, you could then pull that trigger then because you've seen six, eight weeks worth of play and you know like, hey, we actually feel pretty decent about this. We feel like we're going to get a, a reason. You know, I don't know that there's any scenario that we're going to get good value from Von Miller, but we're stuck with him anyways. So getting playable value is something like that's at least a contribution. That's at least a legitimate contribution. If we can get two years of that, that's better than eating $15 million to have him not play. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather not eat the money to have him not play if he could play. And of course it's not $15 million worth of value, but it's some contribution that's better. So I'm not in a position where I would endorse making that move now. You could do it. Restructuring him does create a healthy amount of cap space. Like it's a nice uh, move on paper, but I am not in a position where I want to take that risk or guarantee that he's for sure on the team for two years. And then it makes it kind of painful in 2026, three years mm -hmm. from now. Um, if we see that we're going to get two good years of contributions from him, all right, now I'm open to it. And then if we have a chance for a deadline deal of to, for an injury replacement or for a big piece to add on, now all of a sudden I'll be like, all right, I'll, I'll be more open to that. And uh, real quick, uh, before we move on to free agency, a um, couple of things or one thing. So we think it's jo we think Josh Allen for sure. Obviously, it's twenty three point one million dollars to get on uh, to help us get under the cap. So that that's twenty three point one. We think Diggs um, probably about thirteen of that. So I'll give you three other ones first, and then I'll talk real quick about digs. I listed in a good rule of thumb, anybody who's playing around with this or trying to learn how to do it, the easiest one for base salary restructures are, who are the guys that you know for sure are going to be on the team for the next two to three years? So Josh Allen, we just signed out Oliver and Connor McGovern. Those guys are going to be on the team. We just sent them to deals. All three of them feel like pretty good values. There's almost no scenario where we're going to want to release them. So shuffling around the money isn't really a risk. The only risk in doing these things is if you do it and then you want to move on and cut them. That's when you get in trouble. So that's why I'm going to separate those three. I don't believe there's any realistic out in Stefan Diggs' contract. I think he is on this team for two more years no matter what. If he came out right now and stomped his feet and said, I never want to play for the Buffalo Bills ever again, I still don't think we could trade him. I, it just it, we're, It's a, a terrible situation from that standpoint. We need him to play and to play well, and it is what it is. So in doing so, I don't know if it really matters. Maybe you don't do all $13 million in 
uh, potential savings. Maybe you just do half of that to get a little bit of cap savings. But again, I think he's on this team no matter what. So restructuring him, I don't view as much of a risk as other people do because I'm not bracing myself for a trade or a release because I don't think that's coming. Um, but there are people who are more concerned with that and don't want to do that move in the same way I didn't want to for Von Miller. Unfortunately, if you take $13 million off that number and I said, you know, hey, safely 20 to 25, and now you're talking about 7 to 12, 7 to 12 million means almost nuclear winner. That means enough to sign the the um, the draft class, enough to maybe, maybe bring back Daquan Jones. Maybe you might not even be able to extend anyone. No Epinesa, no, no Floyd, no replacements for Epinesa or Floyd. All of the free agents would be 1.77 million, like just above minimum guys. And that's it. Like, so now that's not, maybe that's what we need to do. But when people say, no, 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 I don't want to restructure Von Miller or Stefan Diggs. What they're saying is I want a nuclear winter for free agency with no moves. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then uh, the last question, um, I can probably answer this, but uh, one of our one of our viewers, uh, John, he asked, when do you have to be under the cap? It's basically by the 13th, correct? It is, correct. And yeah. so it's a funny one. I was having a good conversation with a lot of those people I mentioned. It was me, uh, Eric Eager, who does, does Sumer Sports, um, uh, Brad Spielberger, uh, Texans Cap, who's a, a guy who does a really good job for them. There's seven or eight of us talking, and I was joking. I said, I lose a little piece of my soul Every time I have to explain to people, no team has ever been over the salary cap for one second in modern history, ever. The last time a team was over the salary cap for even one day was back in 1998 with the Denver Broncos. So all the all the graphics that we see, all the gloom and doom tweets that we see is theoretical things of if this team doesn't make any moves and if the league year started now, every team is compliant with the NFL salary cap every single day of every single year. They are never over for even one minute. So every team will be under the salary cap before the official league year starts 4 p.m. on Wednesday, March 14th. They'll all be under by March 11th, Monday, when the like legal tampering period happens. So it'll actually be Monday, March 11th. Um, and they'll do that because every single team is under the salary cap every single day ever. No team has been over the salary cap in 27 years. So follow-up to that, do we know what would happen if they weren't? There are some penalties. There's some fines. There's some draft pick forfeiture. What would actually happen in reality is the transaction that was about to put you over the salary cap would be rejected. So I'll give an example. If you go back two years ago in Brian Dable and Joe Shane's first year in New York, when they got to week 18 of the season, they were so close. They couldn't call up a 53rd guy to the roster mm -hmm. in week 18 off of the practice squad because the like, $27,000 game day check of the minimum guy to bring him up off the practice squad would have put them over and they couldn't do the move. They could not make any other transactions. Yeah. So what happens is the transaction you were about to submit, the draft pick you were about to make, the trade you were about to make, the free agent you were about to sign, the extension you were about to sign, the league would reject it and you wouldn't be able to do that move because it was about to put you over. Um, so that's the actual like tactical 
thing that would happen in theory if somebody, you know, refuse like say somebody refused to make the releases or the restructures or the different things that that they would need to do to get under the actual thing would be uh, a financial fine and a draft pick forfeiture but you couldn't function as a franchise because you couldn't make you wouldn't be allowed to make any draft picks you wouldn't be allowed to sign any free agents extend your players so you know a lot of people will joke well why don't teams just kind of dare them and, and pay the fine and, and lose the draft pick but well you can't function as a franchise you can't process any transactions and no team has like their full roster already in place. And uh, so moving on to free agency, um, one of the guys that you got love for that um, I'm sure that we all want to sign. Um, personally, I love the way that you had structured that on, on Twitter. Um, but Daquan Jones, can you go over that? And, you know, as far as what you would think it would take to bring him back. So um, obviously Daquan Jones was playing legitimately at an all pro level before he got hurt last year. It, like he was in the realm where the stats he was putting up, the double teams he was facing, the snap count he was playing, the number of pressures and all the different pieces. It was him and Aaron Donald were the only people in the league in the realm that he was in with the number of pressures versus the number of uh, double teams and the different things. It was crazy. We've never seen that. Now we've never seen that level of play from him before. He's been really, really good. He's never been that great. That was amazing. Um, then he got hurt and, you know, a torn peck is doable with a one tech and someone, you know, something he can come back from. And he did, he came back and, you know, pushed his way back but it wasn't the you know wasn't all the way back to what he was earlier um so now we're in a spot where you know age 32 going into age 33 coming off the injury but with exceptional play i it's really hard to know exactly how that's going to be valued because it's possible a team sees that film and says hey we'll pay for that we want him to come in on a short-term deal and, and maybe a team throws him 10 or 12 million dollars. I, I don't I don't know that that's what I project or anticipate, but I won't be shocked. I will not be shocked if he gets a one-year double-digit contract. I think it's hey, here's a, a little acknowledgement, you know, as a bump from the previous deal you signed, which was two years, 14 million. He sent for seven million a year with Buffalo. Um, we want you back. We'll give you two years, 15 million and some incentives where if you were to sustain that level of play uh, that you had in the first uh, handful, three, four, five games of the season, and you were to continue that, you could make even more money and you could go above there to make more. And if you don't, we're protected and it's not crazy um, and we're able to kind of set it up in, in, a, in a healthy way. So that's kind of where my head is at in, in what I expect between um, now and then. I think it's very likely that he resigns, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I don't think it's a guarantee. I mean, he deserves to check the market and to see what else is out there. Um, but I think he's out of all the guys that are there. Um, you know, Epinesa Floyd, Gabe, uh, in, in him, the, the top guys that are out there, he's the one I think that has the best chance to come back. Um, and it is a critical spot. I will say if we miss out one tech defensive tackle is a spot that, you can go out and sign some guys and there are a handful of other replacements. I don't think, you know, DJ reader is probably, um, he's a little bit younger and was playing as well or, or better than Daquan. He might get a bigger deal. Most of the rest of the guys would probably be slight downgrades from Daquan, but there's still some good guys who could come and contribute and play well. Uh, so I, I expect Daquan to get that kind of deal. I hope it's from Buffalo. Um, I would be really, really happy if it's from Buffalo. Um, 
but I don't think it's a guarantee. Now you did bring that up. You did bring incentives up. Can you just real quick to our, um, just for the, the lay person, explain likely to be earned and not likely to be earned and how they, how they kind of figure those things into the salary cap. So the easiest way to think about it is did the player do it last year? That's the, that's the simplest way to decide. So when you're looking at one, um, and so we'll use Daquan. Uh, let me give me a quick second so I can pull one up here so I can do actual exact examples. Um, when we look at his season last year, if we sign him to a new deal and we do, say, a per-game roster bonus where we want to just pay him um, $500,000 per game and we want to set it up so that way there's like a $8 million of it based on per-game roster bonuses, we would only have to count seven of those towards the salary cap because he only played seven games last year. So 3.5 of the 8.5 million would count against the cap ahead of time. Then as the season went, if he played all 17 games at the end of the year, you have all the incentives and they kind of do up and down and who achieved what and who didn't achieve what. So this past year, there were probably some incentives in Matt Milano's deal that he probably didn't hit because he didn't play. Um, so I don't, I don't know if Trey White had some, but any guy who gets hurt, you probably missed out on some incentives that you didn't achieve. Um, so those ones get taken off the cap. The guys who hit theirs go up. Uh, Leonard Floyd had one that he was super close. A lot of people knew in the last game, if he got one and a half sacks, it was a $2 million bonus. Um, so as those things happen, they uh, get adjusted at the end of the season. Most teams net out pretty equal. It's actually a pretty easy look like the teams that did pretty bad. Most of their guys probably didn't hit their incentives. The teams that had really good seasons, a lot of your guys did, but you had a good season. So nobody's upset. Everybody's kind of happy about it. Um, so that's the way that they do it. So if you didn't achieve that and, and use a statistical one, if they give uh, Daquan Jones an incentive of hitting four sacks, well, last year he had two and a half. So if we put an incentive for him to get four sacks, it would not count against the salary cap unless he gets it. If we were to do something with you know, number of tackles and we put it at 15 tackles. Well, he had 16 last year, so it would count and it would count towards that. So that's a good way to think about it anytime you're doing it. And especially players coming off of an injured season, it's an easy way to kind of hide some of the money and also sell it to the player. They're like, Hey, you're really likely to hit this. Like it's, you know, this is not some crazy, it's that we're not putting an incentive out there for Daquan Jones to get 15 sacks. We're just saying, Hey, if you play, you know, every game you play above eight games, you're getting extra money that you wouldn't normally got. We think, you know, Daquan Jones prior to last year had played every game in one, two, uh, seven out of the last eight seasons. He had played every single game. So he's a very, very reliable player, very, very healthy. He had not missed games. It's reasonable to think he goes right back to that and, and is able to play and he could earn all that money back so he can feel good about it. And the team gets a little bit of a delay on uh, counting it against the cap. So um, if we do incentives for Naheem Hines, that's an easy way to do it. If we were to do an extension for uh, Matt Milano. That would be an easy way to hide hide some of that. Um, so any of those deals, if we did a restructure or a not a restructure, but like an actual renegotiation with Trey White, that'd be an easy way to hide some money for him too. Because uh, you'd be able to go through and anything that they didn't achieve last year wouldn't count against the cap until they achieved it. Absolutely. Thank you for answering that for me. Yeah, and sure. uh, um, I know you got to get going here. I'm only going to keep you a couple more minutes, um, but I do have a couple other questions here sure. for you. Um, who in this, uh, well, first and foremost, 
do you think that the Bills make enough moves to be active like they were last year on, on day one of free agency with your Deontay Hardy move, your McGovern move? Do you think that we see a couple of those? Or do you think they more wait until the, uh, the, the second, third day of free agency? I expect pretty similar to last year. I expect some moves, a lot of the just above the minimum moves. I expect a lot of those. Um, I do think the comp pick thing is in play. I think Gabe Davis, Leonard Floyd, AJ Epinesa, um, maybe Terrell Dodson. I, I think there's some guys, and I don't think we're going to get high picks, but a handful of fourth, fifth, sixth picks I, I think are possible. That only happens if we don't sign comp pick eligible free agents. If we sign released players, if we sign um, guys who are below the minimum, so probably below like 3 million, anybody, you know, 2.5 million below 2.75 million or below won't count against the comp pick formula. So if we just sign a bunch of lower end guys, we might be able to get a, uh, a couple comp picks back. I think that that intrigues being having more of those lottery tickets to play with. Um, so I expect, you know, last year we signed Deontay Hardy for almost 5 million ish. We signed um, Connor McGovern for 7.5 million. We signed Leonard Floyd. It was announced as 9 million end up not being, but um and that each of those, they did a smaller cap hit in the first year. I think one or two of those deals is possible. I don't think we see three again, but one or two of those. And then a whole bunch of other smaller moves. I do think we signed a bunch of guys, but it'll probably be a lot of bargain shopping, a lot of value shopping. All right, perfect. And uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna throw these two questions at you, and then we'll get, uh, we'll get you out of here, Greg. And uh, um, before I get you out of there, I, I do have a couple things to go over with you from, from us to you. Um, but first and foremost, who do you think that their Connor McGovern signing is this year? Who is your favorite to be that, that Connor McGovern type signing this year? So if I'm going to put one name out there that if we're going to sign a little bit of money, but he's going to come in and be a starter, Jeremy Chin. That'll be the that'll be my guy, Jeremy Chin, to come in and be the safety starting safety. Um, I've seen he is the hardest one for me to project because I have seen numbers all over the board. Uh, Brad Spielberger is really really good at this at PFF, and he's got it at one year two point five billion. I DM'd him and told him I think he's batshit crazy. Um, I'm like that's crazy. I, I, if he signs for that, I I will be ecstatic. I, I will be I will be furious if he signs for that mm -hmm. and it's not in Buffalo. Um, if you go back to 2020 and 2021, he was on pace to reset the free agent market and to like set the market as the highest paid safety in the league. And then they had some weird coaching in Carolina and they like tried to play him at linebacker and did weird stuff. And I, I just refuse to believe that every single team in the league forgot about that film from 2020 and 2021. So I think he's going to be out of our price range, but if he's not, and we can get him for, I think it's two years, 12 million, three years, 18 million, maybe three years, 21 million. Maybe it's very similar to the Connor McGovern deal, but that six, seven, eight million dollar range. We need a guy at safety. He is a tone setter with range and athleticism and speed that can be kind of like both Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Like he could play center field, but he can also come down in the box and lay the boom. Um, and yeah, we'd have to coach him up and get back to what he was prior to last year, 
but I've seen enough of that for sustain. Like for a thousand snaps, mm-hmm. I saw enough of that that it's in there. Like he didn't forget how to be really, really good. Um, so that's one there. I mentioned the receivers earlier. Maybe we get one of those guys uh somewhere. And then there's some other names. If we if we somehow don't get uh Daquan Jones, you know, a tier tart is someone that I think could be in that ballpark and, and would be uh you know a starting caliber. I think we do sign one or two starters from free agency that come in and we sign a contract we're like oh yeah okay that's the starter at that spot that kind of deal yeah i'm 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 a bit you're you're a big fan of chin i'm a big fan of darnell savage personally um so i hope i think savage will come in a little bit below but he's absolutely on my list love love savage i'd be excited about it rasul douglas i think would vouch for him uh (laughs) i think that would be a good one so last question i'll throw to pat and then uh we'll do our ads up to you know wish you the best greg sounds great Hey, Greg, my question for you is, what do you expect the Bills to do in the running back market? We only have James Cook under contract. Do we draft a guy or do we sign a free agent? So I was certain we were going to release Naheem Hines, and then Brandon Bean said he's part of our plans. Now, he had no incentive not to say that. That's just a nice thing to say. Um, I assume we're going to release Naheem Hines. I, I know for a fact. Naheem Hines is not going to play on this team for $5 million. So that is not going to happen. Whether he comes back at a reduced salary or gets released, I don't think he's going to be a part of the future. But if he's invited to camp to see if he still has that burst, that's great. Same thing with Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson was nice last year. If he wants a sign to compete for a roster spot in camp, that's great. I hope they're competing with one free agent signing and one draft pick. So, um, you know, of course, people are like, oh, we should sign Derrick Henry. Well, yeah, of course we should. That, that'd be wonderful. I, I don't expect us to sign Derrick Henry. And if we're splurging on a position, I'm not going to be happy if we splurge at running back. That's that's not where we should be spending <laughs> right. money. But if, you know, we know how deflated the running back market is, if somehow you could sneak uh, a Gus Edwards or an A.J. Dillon, like I want a thumper to combine with James Cook. I want a between the tackles tough running good guy who can pass block and pass protect. Um, so again, Gus Edwards, AJ Dillon are the kind of guys I would target from a free agency standpoint. And then in the draft, I want an Audric Estime. I want a Ray Davis. I want like, give me the biggest, fastest guy still on the board in the fifth round. What, you know, whoever the two twenty five guy who ran a four, five or a four, four, eight, Give me that guy who's still left in the fifth round. I'll take that guy. Um, and then if we have a backfield of James Cook, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon and Ty Johnson, that's fine. If it's James Cook, Ty Johnson, and Ray Davis, that's fine. If it's James Cook, A.J. Dillon, and Ray Davis, I'm going to be real excited. Um, but some combination like that, I think we see a, late, a day three pick. I think we see a value signing. And I think we invite a couple other guys back and we see who makes the team. Perfect. So um, final, final thing here, Greg, uh, real quick, because I know, I know we got to get you out of here, but um, so if you can do me a favor, check the private chat for our giveaway. It's a $50 gift card to Iliad Apollos. If you want to go ahead and announce that for me. Hey, uh, congratulations to Roy Collins. Uh, very well-deserved a fan of our show as well. Very active on all the, the YouTube channels and uh random, a uh, little tidbit, uh, I get to award that because I was an Elio DePaolo scholarship winner. 
I was the Elio DiPaolo winner my senior year in high school as the the top wrestler in Western New York. Uh, so uh, yeah. it's very fun. Uh, I actually am hoping to go back and help uh, present one of the awards here one of these days uh, when I'm back in town. Well, and then I got well, we got something for you for be, being on the show, Greg. Uh, it is a $50 gift card to Elio DiPaolo's that I will make sure is there. So definitely let me know when you're going, and I'll make sure that's there from you for, for, uh, from awesome, Dennis. Awesome, I appreciate Elio. that so, very, very much. Very so kind of you guys. We definitely want to thank you for hopping on, doing everything that you do with uh, with Cover One, hopping on our show every once in a while, and uh, going over all this stuff. So, Greg, I do want to thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll see you next time you come on. It was fun. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Greg. For Matt and Pat, awesome job. Really excited to see all your guys' growth and development and everything you guys have done building the show here. Uh, really, really excited and happy to see you partnering back up with guys we know well, like Kevin and everybody over there. So, um, you know, excited to see everything you guys are doing. Hope you guys have a, a great night and go Bills. Perfect. Thank go you, Bills. Greg. Have a wonderful night. All right, and that was uh, that was uh, Greg Tomset from Cover One. Um, we brought uh, brought to you by Built in uh, Built in Buffalo here um, from the Buffalo Basement Podcast. He was brought to you again by Elliot Apollos, uh, thirty seven eighty five South Park Avenue, Buffalo, New York one four zero or one four two one nine, and also Sons of Erie. So definitely check him out on his show on Cover One um, for anything as far as salary cap goes. He's one of the smartest guys that I know um, when it comes to that. Our other salary cap guy uh our salary cap guy on here for, uh, from kevin i would say he's one, uh two or three um so definitely definitely check uh the the bill uh the uh going deep buffalo podcast from last night i was on there personally and, and kevin and i did some uh, great things with the uh with the salary cap and went over some players him and kevin um after i left did some great things as well so definitely check them out on wednesday nights um now, how, how do you feel? How, how do you feel about um, you know getting under the salary cap and talking to Greg after that? There, Pat. Well, it's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. I'm really glad Greg came on and you know chopped it up with us, told us how we can get underneath the cap and how much he expects us to clear up and to get under the cap. Now, I'm more excited for free agency because now I know we can make a little bit more moves, a few more moves. And and I know we're going to go over it, but I mean, what are the moves that you'd like to see um, with that? Because he said conservatively $25 million after all the moves that they make, if they do like 10 or 12 of the moves, um, if if the salary cap does go up to 250, you could be talking over $30 million over the cap. So, or under the cap. So what moves would you like to see? Yeah. I would like to see a guy like Darnell Mooney here in Buffalo, bad quarterback play in Chicago, bad offensive scheme. I would also like to see Tyler Boyd. You know, I know me and you were talking about it before we went live. He helped end Buffalo's playoff drought. Now he has a chance to help contribute to a Super Bowl in Buffalo. I'd like to see Tyler Boyd and a guy like KJ Osborne. I felt like he didn't get the chance in Minnesota that I thought he was going to get. I thought Jordan Addison would have had, would never would have kind of like burst out onto the scene as he did. So, so that's another one I would like. I would like to see Jeremy Chen, Darnell Savage. But another one that a lot of people are not talking about is Eddie Jackson. Just got cut from Chicago. He's not as good as he once was, but he is getting older. Maybe he wants to win a ring. He can come here. You know, maybe it's a cheaper contract. We could afford it and help get a, help help us get a ring. Replace Micah Hyde. But my only concern with him is his tackling. And he's a bit slower than what he was three years ago. That's my only. Matt, what do you think about Eddie Jackson? 
I liked him a few years ago. <laughs> right. Really so did I. Much more, you know, I mean, because there was a reason why he got cut. He wasn't worth the money that he was making at that time in right. Chicago. Um, I would rather go with a, a, a maybe a little bit of a cheaper option in a uh, Jeremy Chin if it, if it becomes that. But I wouldn't be against it. Like if that's who that they had to settle on, um, that's, you know. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, uh, Roy just asked us about, you know, Mitch Morris. Uh, you know, I think that they approach him for potentially a a pay cut or so, some sort of restructure um, to save a little Great. bit of money from there for Mitch Morris. Um, I still see him on the team this year. I don't think, you know, and then as far as, you know, like we talked, like I talked about uh, with Kevin last night, I think Trey White is here. I, I think, you know, his $6 million, I think that they have him, you know, come down a little bit off of that number, take a little bit of a pay cut, but then do like, you know, Greg was talking is, is the not likely to be earned because there's things that he could, he could take care of. So, uh, or he could build it, uh, Brandon Bean can build into that contract um, to, you know, move, move that forward and, you know, get us a little bit more savings there. So, who, as far as, um, you know, is who would you choose between Jeremy Chin, Eddie Jackson, or Darnell Savage? If you had, let's say that they were all the same, they, they were $5 million, who would you choose? Give me Darnell Savage, as one of the comments says. He's only 26. He's young. He might be a bit cheaper, like Greg just said, than a guy like Jeremy Chin. Because a lot of teams are not going to forget about that film from 2021, from the 2021 season. And Eddie Jackson's older. Give me the young guy who has the continuity yeah. with Russell Douglas. Russell Douglas knows mm -hmm. he can trust Darnell Savage. So I would take Darnell Savage. Yeah. And like I said, I know, I know not this upcoming week, but the following week, we're going to do our free agency show. Um, right. But personally, one of my, you know, we talked about the running back room a little bit. Uh, my, one of my personal favorites is that they, and it could be a huge sleeper signing is JK Dobbins. I am very big on J.K. Dobbins coming off another injury because he could be low risk, high reward um, as far as that. And you put him in a in a um, you know in a in a room with James Cook, uh, Naheem Hines, or release Naheem Hines, bring back Ty Johnson, whatever the case may be, and you bring in a you know a J.K. Dobbins at a, at a cheaper deal. And I know that um, Spot Track has him at a, a two point one million dollar value right now. Could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less, but right. you know that's based on injury. So. Uh, but the other one, too, that I'm very, very interested in personally, and he didn't have a huge year or anything like that, plus Track has him only at a $1.6 million value, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I said it last night on, on Kevin's show, on, on the Going Deep Buffalo show. Um, his former first-round pick, yes, it's at the end of the first round. Uh, Kansas City won the Super Bowl that year. But he, he had 1,867 yards from scrimmage. And 17 touchdowns the last time he played for Joe Brady. Ooh. At LSU. So, I mean, if you could sign somebody like him, yeah, if you could sign somebody like him behind James Cook, I mean, that could definitely give, you know, James Cook that, you know, a blow here and there because he's going to need it. And he could come in and do potentially because it seems like Joe Brady knows how to use him. So, um, what are your thoughts on both those guys? Yeah, no, I would like Hilaire here, Clyde Edwards Hilaire here. Just like what you said, knowing Joe Brady's system, that's a that's the type of person you want here, you know, because it, it is gonna it is gonna be a new it won't be that much of a new system, but it will be a new system, if you know what I mean. So 
having a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who already knows Joe Brady's system for the most part, can kind of help you know these other players like a James Cook, like hey, here's what we're gonna here's what it has to be done this way. Let's I know you want to do it this way, but let's do it this way. So I do like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Mm-hmm. Then J.K. Dobbins, yeah, I mean... the two injuries kind of concerns me personally. So I would tend to stay away from J.K. Dobbins, but it, like it could be a high risk, high reward. It could be, but I would stay away from him due to his injuries, recent injuries. And uh, Roy uh, just asked Damien if Damien Harris was a one year. Yes, he was a one year deal. And yes. uh, I, I mean, I don't he I don't even think he's made a decision on whether he's coming back to play. So no, I don't I mean, think he is. That that is definitely um, something that. Um, I don't know if I would have the mental capability myself to come back after that type of injury with my neck. I'd rather see, you know, my kids, my family and things like that, but I I get it. If he does come back and plays and feels healthy enough, I get it. Um, But for sure, um, that's, that's something that it is only a one-year deal. It was only a one-year deal for him. Um, So as far as that goes, I mean, what else you got for us tonight, Pat? Well, yeah, no, just touch on the running backs. A guy like AJ Dillon, spot track has him at 3.5 million. It could be more, it could be less. I do like a guy like A.J. Dillon. As Greg said, he's a thumper. You know, he'll pick up those two yards. I think he would be what we thought Latavius Murray was going to be for us last year. But then another guy I was looking at is Dante Foreman. He played in Chicago last year, ran hard. I wanted him less offseason. But we didn't land him. Spotrack has him at $3 million. Could be more, could be less. Again. Stop being a two-teamer. <laughs> I know, I know, no. you're, I know where you are. You're out that way, so yep. I, I get it. You've seen a lot of Bears games, but, um, right. but, but in in all seriousness, I mean, De- Deontay Foreman did fill in very well for uh, Khalil Herbert. Right. Um, he did have those few games where he had you know big yards and a couple, you know multiple touchdowns in in, in those games. So um, it's not a bad. It wouldn't be a bad pickup, but I'd rather, I'd rather go with somebody like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire because Joe Brady knows him, you bring him in. And if you can get him for, you know, that 1.6, 1.77 type deal, $2 million deal, where it still keeps your, you know, you under that cop pick formula, like they did with Damian Harris last year, I think that would be a, a definitely a good idea. So, um, you know, but it, it also too, I mean, you know, Gus Edwards, but I, I really think that, you know, as a backup running back, James Cook just has gotten better and better the both both years that he's, you know, and then the more touches he gets, he's gotten better and better. He needs to fix the hands as far as catching the ball. Maybe yes. that's a concentration thing. Maybe that's whatever, but he needs to fix that as well. But um, I would rather see them go with somebody like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire that can, you know, spell him if, if need be, because the, the, that backup running back may not see the field a lot. You know, right. I mean, I remember, you know, if you remember watching any of the games, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, how often did in the end of the, in the, in the last part of the year, once Joe Brady came in, um, did you see Latavius Murray come in the game? Did you see Ty Johnson come in the game? I mean, I think, I think six, seven, 10 plays a game, maybe, maybe a couple more than that. I'd have to get the exact numbers, but um, I don't expect to see the backup that much unless James Cook were to get hurt or something like that. I expect him to have a very similar year, if not better, this upcoming year. So um, 
as far as the wide receiver room, I know, like I said, I know we'll touch on this in a couple weeks, but as far as the wide receiver room, who do you expect? Like who I know we talked about Darnell Mooney. I could see him being a little priced out because they see the they see the analytics, they see all the film, they see that type of stuff. Who do you who would you like to have in here? Well, yeah, besides a Darnell Mooney, a Tyler Boyd, I'd like to see maybe like I said earlier, KJ Osborne. I would like to see a the receiver from Detroit. Um, can't think of his name right now. I'll just oh, keep uh, moving Josh on. Reynolds? Yes, Josh Reynolds. Maybe maybe a guy like Van Jefferson, maybe he could play the outside. That's another one. I would also like to see, let's see here. LaVisca Chenault should be another one, you know. Speed. He has speed. But hasn't got the playing time in Jacksonville due to Christian Kirk, Say Jones, and now Calvin Ridley, who's now a free agent. That's another one I'd like to see. Maybe a guy like Paris Campbell. I know there's a few Bills Mafia that wanted him last year in free agency, but he ended up signing with the Giants. So that's another one that would really interest me here. So and, and then maybe the last thing I'm gonna yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Pat. Go okay. ahead. And maybe a guy like Noah Brown. Spot track has him at 5.6 million. Maybe that's another guy we could bring in here. I mean, he's only he's 28. I would like to see him here. So the last thing I got for you is what is your including re-signings? What is your I I don't want to say dream because let's be realistic. We have to be realistic with the money, but with the money that the bills have and everything like that, who is your dream re-signs and then brought in before even heading to the draft? Realistically, uh, my dream would be to re-sign a Daquan Jones and a AJ Epinesa. Then I would like to bring in Tyler Boyd. That's That's the number one wide receiver I want the most. Him and then maybe a lower tier running back like a AJ Dillon. So those will be my dreams to bring. So and like I said, we'll go. We'll, we'll definitely go more in depth into into that and kind of talk more about the players and things like that. But my yeah. my personal um, my personal thing is I would like to bring back Daquan Jones, AJ Epinesa, David Edwards. Uh, sign uh, either Tyler Bro- Tyler Boyd or a um, you know a DJ Chark or uh, Curtis Samuel at lower money. Um, obviously if they get what their market cap is or market value is right now at 10.9 for Chark and 11.7 for Samuel, I'm not touching either one of those. I'd rather see Tyler Boyd on this team. Um, and then it would be signing a Darnell Savage, um, and then a Christian, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and, um, you know, uh, either, you know, uh, a TR Tart or a naughty and then head into the draft. Oh, I agree. I forgot about Darnell Savage and Tier Tart too. Those are another two I would love to bring in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So this has been, you know, a great kind of exercise talking to Greg, learning a little bit more about the uh, the salary cap and everything. There's always something I learn when I talk to him. So oh, yeah. definitely I'm glad I'm glad everybody enjoyed the show tonight. Um, normally we do a, a gambling segment, but there really isn't anything to gamble on. You know, I mean, I nope. I know there's stuff to gamble on, but there's no football to gamble on right now. There's no Bills related stuff to gamble on. Um, just a lot of college basketball. I know NBA comes back tonight or tomorrow. Um, I can't remember what. I think it's tonight. But um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of skip that and uh, you know. 
kind of kind of end the show. And I, I do want to thank everybody for for joining us tonight. Again, Roy, thank you, uh, thank you for your comments. Everybody, thank you for your comments and questions for Greg in the in the chat. Um, Roy, you did win that fifty dollars gift card from Elio Palos. Definitely message me on Twitter and uh, uh, or Facebook or wherever you can see both my my um, my handles there under under my chin there. Um, but with that being said, um, we do want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. And um, you know, go Bills. We definitely uh, Pat. Any 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 of your last things before we get going here? Oh, yeah, no. A huge shout-out to Greg for coming on, chopping it up with us, everybody in the chat who's been active, everybody who's watching now or that will be watching on the replay. Really appreciate it. Matt, thank you again for having me as always, and go Bills. And again, we are brought to you uh, by Iliad Apollos and Sons of Erie and on the built-in Buffalo Network. Um, we are actually – oh, last thing before I forget. Oh, yes. We are, <laughs> we are moving to Friday nights at, at 8 o'clock, so definitely join us next week at Friday at 8 p.m., uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. And uh, want to thank everybody for, for here. Um, definitely, definitely check out all the great shows from built-in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, go Bills. Thank you all for go joining Bills. us.